Koto, and thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of In the Sheds on Code with Kingy, where for this go round, I'm sharing the microphone with a former Super Rugby player and former NRL player in Tupo Sapuanga. Uh, first off, Kaz, very grateful for your time, and do you want to let us know what you've been up to lately, just coming out of lockdown? Kia uh, everybody. Uh, man, just been living the dream, just getting out and um, hanging around my family at the moment. Uh, I've got my brother uh in wellington um so spending as much time as i can um looking around him and his family before they head off the front so so literally but honestly just been enjoying being around family as you know yourself it's pretty tough when you're only in your household for four or five weeks uh in level four so we're, we're pretty lucky at wellington so 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 what is the go with your brother is he jetting off like within the next couple of weeks or yeah, man, he's actually heading off on Sunday. So he's heading off to uh, Lyon in France, signed a three-year deal there. So he's been in New Zealand the last uh, two months now. And um, yeah, just been in Wellington, just been catching up with family and friends and training. And funnily enough, it was actually three years ago since I last saw him. So just been enjoying as much as I can with him and his family. True. Yeah, because he, he jetted off, what was it, 2016, 2017 that he took over to the UK? Uh, 2018, 2018. Oh, 2018. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. True. Uh, he's, but... he's been gone for a while, man. Um, it's good to see him. He's, he's into his 30s now, and uh, I'm not far behind him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Has much change yeah. with him? Did he pick up an English accent while he was over there? Nah, man. I think, that, that, like... Nothing's actually really changed with him except for I mean he's he's got more grey hairs now and um he's got two two other kids. He left yeah. with one kid and he's come back with two more, which is pretty out the gates. I mean we're getting a bit old now, so um it's cool to see his family growing and, and I've uh I've got my family's growing as as well too. Oh well cool. Yeah, you really gotta cherish the times to get around family and I guess lockdown would have been good in a sense because you know, you would have been in the office, you know, Monday to Friday if it were normal. So I guess there's, if there's some silver lining from um, being locked in, so to speak, yeah, it was the opportunity to yeah, get in around a fellow you hadn't seen in a while. But um, before we crack into your footy and I get you talking about all the backyard bashes you had with your brother, um, I'm actually going to run a segment that I haven't done with anybody else. Uh, and, yeah, you know, going off the rugby thing, you know, like what you do before you crack into a game is that you warm up. So I've just got a couple of warm-up questions for you, bro. Quick as you can, you don't have to think too hard about it. And then, yeah, then we'll roll into your story. Sweet. All right, number one, tea or coffee? Tea. Apple or Android? Apple. Passenger or driver? Driver. Sweet or savory? Sweet. Sauce on top or the side? Sauce on top. <laughs> Chocolate in the fridge or cupboard? Uh, in, oh, on the cupboard. Right. TV show or movie? Movie. Subtitles on or off? On. Toothpaste, then water, or water, then toothpaste? Toothpaste, then water. Good man. All right, last one. Left or right side of the bed? Right side. <laughs> has, it always, has it always been that way, or were you booted to that side? Bro, I, honestly, I've been on the right side of the bed my whole marriage, bro. Uh, I've been married for seven years now, so I don't know what it is. It's just 
it's just uh, robotically. I just have to <laughs> just, just have to go there, man. Yeah, bro. I feel you. Everyone has their side. All right, <laughs> let's start from day dot with you, cuz. Thank you very much for doing that. Um, All good. Where'd you grow up, and how'd you get into playing footy? Um, so obviously, me and my family are from Batoni. Grew up in Wellington. Um, went to Wellington College, and then that's pretty much where we started. Um, where I started my rugby journey. Uh, played under 15s, then played first 15 for three years. Um, on the last year of, of school, I made New Zealand secondary schools for rugby union, obviously. And then after that game, three days later, this guy knocked on my door. Um, and I, he was just this random guy. And then he just said, hey, man, I've got a two-year deal to come to um, to come to the Canary, Bull, Canary Bull Bulldogs. Uh, what are your thoughts? And this was like, you know, like random as, you know, I couldn't believe it. And um, funnily enough, I actually was doing tourism and the place that we were studying was um, Sydney. And so I just thought, oh man, this is an awesome place to go because mm -hmm. I've been learning about this every Thursday at tourism class. <laughs> and so I just thought, oh man, why not? Just give it a good crack. So I think it was two weeks after that New Zealand secondary school game I signed. Uh, my first, you know, an old contract, two years at uh, Canterbury, Canterbury Bulldogs, bro. And that's how it all started. So had you played any league prior to that? Oh, I played like, you know how like Wellington schoolboys, they have like those one-off tournaments. Mm. Um, I think I played a few games for the Wellington College team and I was just playing fullback, just running amok, just, you know, having fun. Yeah. And then I think, league I might have had like a season with Wainu and Mata when I was 15 but that was like ages ago so you, you wouldn't actually consider that a rugby season a rugby league season true so so what so were there no offers on the table from the Wellington Union like was there any interest in the rugby circles that could have kept you in Union yeah they were, they were pretty gutted that they lost me um, also my brother was going down to Otago so they tried to steer me down that um, down to that province, but I was pretty adamant on trying to make a name for myself because all through high school, I made every single rugby team that my brother did. And I think being young and a bit naive, I was like, oh, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to show everyone that I can make it another sport. So I ended up just deciding I'm going to go give it a crack. Also, the money was a lot, a lot better <laughs> than, uh, yeah, man. I was just like, oh, I hit the jackpot, man. I'm out of here. Yeah, because yeah, that, that would have been like the Toyota Cup days, eh? When it was still like on telly and stuff. Yeah, man. And it's like, you know, you get to play on telly every week. You kind of feel like a, a, a like a little bit of a rock star. So I just thought, man, you know, you're getting paid good money. Um, you get to play on TV every week. You know, you're traveling around Australia, New Zealand. Might as well, might as well give it a crack. Yeah. So, yeah, I just decided. And then I had to go and tell Wellington, that, you know, I had to obviously because they they pretty much invested a lot of resources into me and my brother from being in the academy since I was fifteen. Obviously, hurricanes, schoolboys, one to eight, oh, 16, 18, and then New Zealand secondary school. So for for them to lose one of their homegrown products, it was pretty, I guess, gut wrenching. But at the same time, I was like, man, I got to get out of here. You know, I'm just in, I'm just in my brother's shadow. <laughs> yeah. So before we crack onto your your move over to Sydney, cause do you want to take us through what it was like growing up in a household with 
what would have been a gun footy player above you. And I know that your younger brothers aren't too bad either. So was it quite full on, like the, the backyard um, footy games? Oh, man, it was pretty intense, eh? Because um, I always played up two years. So when I was year nine, Lemo was in year 11. And so I was playing under 15 and Lemo was two years older. So Lemo's always been the best player in the team. So he was always really, really hard on me. But don't get me wrong, me and Lima are best friends, so we love each other to bits, but he would he would be on my ass like like honestly, it was low key bullying too, bro. It was crazy. <laughs> and then we went into first fifteen and that was just crazy, man. It was pretty funny looking back at it now. We always laugh at it, especially with a lot of first fifteen boys. Like obviously I was number eight um in year eleven and Lima was captain at the time actually. And most of the times in scrums, I would just pick it up and, and go. Like, I, I, I wouldn't give them the ball because I would just like, bro, I'm going to run and I'm going to score a try. And yeah. we would have these full-on arguments, bro, on the field, <laughs> at training. I, I'll never forget there was this one time we had to stop training because me and Lima were, like, having a punch-up, bro. Funny as, here is, like, here is, like, two brothers just carrying on. Um, they, they had to... Uh, stopped training and, and me and Lima had to apologize for the boys. Funnily enough, like we'll finish having a punch up, then we'll jump into the, the same car and drive home together. Yeah, man, it's pretty intense. So he yeah. was he Yeah, it was very intense household, man. Like we were always just like, we're gonna make it, we're gonna show everyone. Lima was bro, he was determined. So every every morning like five, six AM he would be like doing weights or going for a run. And he was like, bro, are you gonna do this or what? Do you want this? <laughs> And I'm like, bro, I want this, but not as bad as you, bro. But uh, yeah, man, it was pretty intense. And we had, um, we also had Jordan Kahu down the road as well. Obviously, he's playing for the Brisbane Broncos. Mm-hmm. And so that just kind of like made everything super intense on another level on like trying to be the best, uh, not just rugby player, but trying to be the best player in the whole of Wellington. So mm. it was always an intense uh, kind of, rugby childhood i think yeah now you know I, i'm an older brother and i'm guessing lima would have had the the one up on you for most of your life so at what age did it hit the point where you know like because he's he's not i'm guessing he would have stopped going by what year 11 year 12 so how old were you when you finally got to overtake him in size and got to see eye to eye with him rather than looking up to him oh bro i was year nine bro so he used to give me hidings when i was um like pretty much when i was young and then year nine because i was quite big yeah, he, he went to give me a hiding this one time because I wasn't doing the dishes. And then I just turned around and cracked him and then just started feeding him, bro. And then my dad came out, bro. My dad came out to the garage and he just started feeding both of us, bro. It was so funny. Yeah. Here I am. I was like, yeah, man. I was like, I was like giving it to him. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm way bigger than you now. I'm going to smoke you. And then my dad ended up, you know, giving us both a massive ass hiding. We'll never forget that. We'll never forget that. Since then, he, he's never, ever... um. They never try to like give me a bash. It's always like him having small man syndrome, which is crack up. Yeah, the, the day always comes, bro. The day always comes. So when you talk about like the influence that your brother had on you, and obviously he was quite hard on you because he wanted you to succeed. So do you think that you would have got as far as you did had you not had that role model, so to speak, right there, you know, like on your ass every day? No, I don't think I would have I don't think I would have made it or had that determination and grit to push through like tough times. Because when we came up, we, we pretty much had lo- nothing like a lot of other Hutt Valley guys, but Lima kind of set the standard on what it takes to not just make the team, but also 
to push through just just to push through any barriers bro so um i i owe him a lot for just kind of creating the environment to be the best no matter what awesome to have those sorts of guys eh? and it's funny mm. how like when, when, I, when i talk to different guys and i mean like I, I just reflect back to when i was a teenager and you know like my head was in the clouds i didn't have that sort of like thing in front of me that i was trying to chase and yeah, it's always interesting like when you meet these characters and it's like where does that all that come from eh? and, I, and i'm guessing like a lot of it can be drawn from your parents um depending mm. on what your your upbringing was like but some guys just have it internally and it sounds like your brother was one of those guys yeah i think it's because we didn't really have much for growing up so it was like man for him he was the first in our family he's the oldest sibling but he was also the oldest grandchild and so mm. it was like he kind of had held that responsibility of you know i need to show everybody you know, that it can be done and if I can make it, anyone else can make it, whether it be sport or anything else. Like he, he just had that intensity to try to be the best and, and I just try to chase it down, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I get that, bro. All right. Moving on from there, and you mentioned that you pick up your, your deal with the Canterbury Bulldogs. And again, before we get to that, I read an article earlier this year that you had a bit of input into around players, you know, at that sort of like 17, 18-year-old age in the them getting approached by agents and the pressure that these agents put on these kids to make these life altering decisions. And they almost put like a time cap on it. I think you said that there were a couple of boys that you knew who got approached by agents and said, well, if you don't make this decision by this date, you know, like your window is gone. Mm. Um, and as someone who, who's gone through that, and I mean, like, again, I'm, I'm a rugby battler. That's why I interview guys like yourself, <laughs> you know, like, can, can you remember, like, you know, obviously you, you, you talked about the money and the opportunity and the traveling, but, do you look back on that time and think like, wow, I really had like no idea what I was getting myself into really? Yeah, man, 100%. Because like, you know how I said that this random person turned up to my house, you know, three days later, that was actually an agent. And so, you know, being young and actually not knowing what's, what's a good decision between your career or a financial decision, like I just, me and my parents, we just kind of had to guess. Mm. and so there is a lot of pressure that you get from agents because at the end of the day, man, agents, they're driven by the bigger the deal, the more money they make. Don't get me wrong, agents have, have a great place in rugby and that definitely needed. But some of the, like your career can definitely be determined, good or bad, by some sort of advice that you get from a particular agent. So I reckon it's just really important just to kind of filter out good advice or bad advice. Um, young kids these days, you know, you're getting signed, especially when it comes to rugby league, you're getting signed at 13. I think they put the age to 15 now, but you're getting signed at a pretty young age to mm -hmm. an agency. And what, like, I mean, if, as a kid, what do you know at 13 or 15? Exactly. Bro. But, like, you don't know anything. Like, all you know is, like, you're trying to figure out how to survive NTA level one, man, mm. let alone determine whether to sign with an agency who's going to give you five grand for five years. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm real big on trying to help out young guys kind of make those, those better decisions or just kind of making sure that they're well-informed on the agency that they use for their future because it's really important. And especially when you talk about, you know, you mentioned yourself growing up, your family didn't have a lot and yet these kids who, I'd say the majority of the, the most promising rugby players in the country don't come from the greatest backgrounds. And so when these mm. agents flash this money in front of their face, you know, dollars, that both them and their parents probably haven't even dreamt about in their lives. 
Mm. You can see why some kids just like jump at opportunities while, while not really thinking it through or actually going back and talking to someone because like you said, I mean, like some, I'm, I'm guessing some agents can be quite conniving and quite selfish with the, you know, with their job, but there's also those who go out there and, and try to put the, the best interest of the kid first. But yeah, I, I just thought like after reading that article and, you know, like I'm, I'm real big on voicing some of the stuff that doesn't get a lot of limelight when it comes to like the, the glitz and the glamour of a rugby and rugby league career. But yeah, like you said, it, it's awesome that you've got individuals like yourself who have been through it and uh, trying to you're putting yourself in a position to help those kids should they want to seek advice. So yeah. Do, yeah, I mean, do you know, sure. like having, having talked to any of those kids, whether or not that's stuff that the, the academies that, that like yourself went through that they try and teach them about, or like, do they have someone at the academies that they can send the agents to, to have their no, man, interests quite, put first? No, because at the end of the day, you kind of, um, it's, it's like a business, you know what I mean? The player relationship is, when it comes to deals, it's through the agent. When it comes to your player performance, it's through the prov- uh, rugby province. So Wellington, um, Turbos, blah, 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 blah. So mm-hmm. it's a completely different relationship, bro. At the end of the day, a province wants the best player. And so that they have to work for an agent. But if, if your agent can get you somewhere, then they're going to obviously send you, or if they can keep you somewhere, they're obviously going to keep you at whatever cost. So it's pretty... It's pretty um, it can be quite cutthroat. Yeah, I guess that's one of the, the harsh realities of sport. But um, getting back to a more positive note, we'll, we'll, we'll bring it back to your story. So you shift over to Sydney, you moved to, did you move to Bankstown? Is that is that where you like parked yourself up to get yourself to training closer? And like, yes. how did that first year go? Oh man, it was pretty crazy. Eh? So uh, first, two, so I was with them for two years, moved over there and I lived with, um, at the Bulldogs house. That's kind of like where Sonny Bill lived, Roy Asatasi, Jonathan Thurston, Rocky Elson, pretty much anyone who's young, they live at this place called the Bulldogs House. And, and I was there for two years. And it was, it, was, um, it was pretty crazy because all the guys that I live with are either still playing or, you know, became household names. Um, Dale Finucan, Josh Chickson, Tim Laffey, Sam Cassiano. Um, who else is there? There's Marty Tapao. Um, we all lived in this big house. Obviously, we were under um, under 20 slash New South Wales Cup, but it was unreal, bro. Because every day you get free food and they make you dinner. All you have to do is just obviously you can go to work or you can just wait till training in the afternoon. So, spent two years there just learning my craft. It was actually quite hard when I went over there because I went over there as you know a schoolboy star thinking that I was going to carve up straight away. But when I went there inside my New Zealand 20s team, we had four back rowers that also made Australia schoolboys for rugby league. Paul Carter, um, Dave, or we had David Klammer, who's playing with the, the Knights. There was also Leilani Latu, he's overseas. There's also Lockie Berry, plays for the, for the Cowboys. So it was pretty stacked team. True. Um, so I had to really work my, work my ass off to, to try to, push my way in, um, which I eventually did, which was great. Um, ended up being the starting back row for the team. But, yeah, it was such a rocky transition, man. It was really hard to try yeah. to learn league. Could you fill us in on, like, you know, obviously it's like a – most. I mean, I guess most people would think that a talented athlete with rugby and league, like yourself, would transition to one game from the other one, like, rather quickly, especially coming from Union, which is probably a little bit more complex. So what were some of the difficulties initially transitioning into league? Honestly – Number one thing, you ask any rugby league player that's gone to rugby union, 
number one thing that's so hard about league is fitness. Bro, their fitness is crazy, bro. Like, when I went over from New Zealand to Australia, I was, like, the fittest forward in Wellington. When I went over there, I was the third unfittest person in the team. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, man. I was literally at the back, man. Um, yeah, pre-seasons are like, yes. Like, if you get through a pre-season at the Bulldogs, man, like, you can get through anything in life. That's, I'm not talking about sports, but I'm literally talking about, like, whatever you go through mentally, you just think about that time you went through the preseason with the Bulldogs, bro, you can, you'll get through it. Bro, I've heard, I, who was podcast? Oh, it was, um, I was listening to a podcast with Willie Mason, bro, and he said the exact same thing. So, obviously, like, he was at the Bulldogs, I think, for his, yep. his younger rep stuff. And he talked about yep. there was, like, one trainer, and, you know, like, because Willie yep. was obviously like a star. And so he was a lot so, harder on the ones that had a lot of promise. And he yep. just talked about getting flogged. And he says, like, his career to date, he hadn't gone through anything as strenuous as what he did at the Bro. dogs. Yeah, that, that, that guy's name is Gary Carden. You mention that guy to anybody, honestly, it's like thinking of the worst nightmare you've ever had. Like, thinking <laughs> of him. Bro, ask Nehemuna Skada, ask like Wally Mason, Sonny Bulbury, ask any of those guys who work for the Bulldogs, they'll tell you that that guy is probably top three hardest people that I've ever met in their whole life, man. It's, it's crazy. But hey, I survived, mate. I survived. And, yeah, you know, Maybe the main I Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. So I was there for two years, which is cool. Ended up making uh, New Zealand under the 20s mm-hmm. um, for league, which is cool. Bro, we had a pretty stacked team that year. It was unreal. Like, looking at their team, I'm like, far out. That's pretty much the Kiwis team today. True. Um, is, it, is it weird, bro? Like, um, not, not, to, not to dog you, obviously, because you're not there with them, but, yeah. like, just reflecting and thinking back and then, like, seeing the guys who have kicked on, and it's like, fuck, he was my teammate, you know, when we were, like, 20 years old. Is it, is it, is it a weird thing for someone like yourself? Well, bro, it's like, um, I, I wouldn't say it's weird, but it's kind of like, because you, you create all these real good friendships during that time so you keep in touch with them hard out and like those friendships or those times in the younger days those are the times that you kind of like it's always easy to pick up the conversations because as you get older it's just a job and so you always mm. see a lot of people come through year in year out generally it's a one or two year contract but the, the years that you kind of really dug your teeth and you know you you hadn't made a year but you're trying to make it those are the kind of friendships that you always keep so you know, those times at the Bulldogs and or Indian Kiwis, it's kind of like a real special bond that, that you have with those players. So it's pretty cool to see, like, some of the players now. It's just like, bro, the guy, the guy was doing that, you know, 10 years ago. It's freaking yeah, me. True. Is, is there anyone amongst that crop of players that you mentioned that you're surprised at how far he's gone, considering, I don't know, bro, how he started? Honestly, I can't even believe how good his career has been. But Peter Hiku. He was my roommate, horrious guy I knew, like sloppy ass body, never took anything serious. Um, he was with the Warriors at the time, but he was just like straight from the jungle, bro. <laughs> like I thought, bro, after this, he's gone, bro. He, he, he ain't kicking on. But Manly signed him and then, you know, like I think he ended up playing his 150th game or 200th game a couple of weeks ago. But he really surprised me, man. I couldn't believe the career. He, I can't believe the career he's had. He's yeah. now like one of the best centers to play um, play with because I think he's got a stat now of 
being the top center for triasis for the last three years. So, mm. you know, well, I'm, I'm actually really, really proud of him because yeah. they, back in the days we used to call him, um, or we used to call him, or I think we used to call him deadly because he was just such a weirdo. <laughs> like, just not a rugby player, bro. Yeah. Where's he from? I think he's from Auckland. Yeah, oh, true. From, yeah, but he's a good man. Real good guy. Had an awesome career, and he's I got heaps of time for for Peter. I'm glad yeah. he kicked on because I'm I'm surprised he, he actually did in the end. <laughs> yeah, he's one of those guys who's flown under the radar, eh? Like even when he signed for the Warriors, you know, like they've had a lot of big name stars come through mm. and maybe not quite deliver because of the expectations put on them. But yeah, he's one of those guys. If you if you if you were like a purist, so to speak, or if you dig a little bit deeper into the stats, he's actually pretty handy. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, nevertheless, you mentioned the fact that you played for the Junior Kiwis in your second year um, with the Dogs, but then you end up signing with Cronulla. So was that for a better opportunity to play first grade? Yeah, man, it was. So at the time when I did the Bulldogs, we had Tony Williams, Frank Pritchard, and Josh Jackson and Dale Finucane. So those guys are like all household names. Frank Pritchard was at the top of his game, and um, I was I did two you know, seasons with them, but I obviously didn't play. But I just spoke to them about it, and like, do, do you think I should stay or go? And they just said, man, you should go because you're going to get more opportunity mm. to play there. And I really respected um, Frank Pritchard at the time because he, he was like my idol. He looked after me hard out, and for him to give me the green light to, to leave, I decided, yes, yeah, sweet, I'm going to, you know, pack up my gears and, and move to Cronulla. So I pretty much decided because Frank Pritchard was like, bro, you should go because, you know, it's a load of dick at the Bulldogs. I, was, mm-hmm. I would have loved to say, don't get me wrong, man, I was so awesome at the Bulldogs. But um, just for game time-wise, it was better decision-wise for, for my career. And so what were also the issues? lifestyle. <laughs> also <laughs> lifestyle too, man. Cronulla's unreal, bro. It's all, that's the beachy area, eh? Yeah, man. Yeah, that's the beach area. It's like sure. living on Oriental on steroids, bro. <laughs> Uh, very grateful. All right. So when you made the shift there, what were the assurances for you? Like, did they guarantee you training with the first grade team or did they look at you more as like a reserve grade player initially? Um, no. So it was first grade squad straight away, which is cool. But obviously I had to compete. I still had Luke Lewis, Wade Graham, Chris Heinington and uh, Jason Pukoya. So they were, you know, they were household names too. Oh, but right, yeah. like those guys, the reason why I left, to go to um, to go to Cronulla's because three of those guys were going to play State of Origin, so it was a real good chance for me to play those weeks. And also, they were getting a little bit older too, so they they would break down a little bit. So that, that's the reason, or that's the kind of assurance that I got. Not that you know you're going to play straight away, but you know you're going to get max game time and reserve grade, but also you get to learn from Luke Lewis, Paul Gallen you know, the two Australia back rowers, but also New South Wales back rowers. And and yeah. when they go into camp, then then it's a good chance for me to fill their spots. So did your debut against the Raiders come whilst they were away with New South Wales or? No, no, no. So I was actually supposed to debut. Oh, they were looking for me to debut against the Warriors during those weeks. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I think one of those boys didn't get picked. So they ended up just playing for us. So... Um, unfortunately, I, I, I didn't debut then, but I ended up debuting towards the end of the year, which was which was pretty cool. Um, I think yeah. I was 20, 
yeah, I was 21 at the time, man. Like at the time I thought I was like a man. <laughs> but if you think about it, man, 21, you're like a baby, bro. Uh, and so what was that like getting like the tap on the shoulder? Yeah, it was crazy because obviously, you know, I worked my whole life to try to prove a point, you know, that I can make, I can do something that my brother hasn't done. Um, <laughs> so when they gave me the call, I, I think I actually cried, eh? Because I worked so hard for it and it meant a lot to me. But also it was just like, man, I'm, I'm playing in the NRL. Like, this is professional. Like, this is like legit. Like, you're, you're a professional rugby player. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've been in the, I've been in a professional you know, sports since Canterbury, but um, when you play, that's like the cream of the crop. You're considered one of the three hundred players. Yeah, hundred. And so, how'd that game go? Like, I'm guessing you would have come off the bench. And do you remember your first carry, your first tackle? Yeah, man. Yeah, no, I actually started my my oh. first year to yeah, because I was I was young and a little bit cocky back when I was younger. And I used to tell my coach, like, bro, if you give me a shot, bro, I'll, I'll show out. I'll make sure I'll do the damage for you. And and I used to just be like, man, did you watch my game in the weekend for Rosario? I carved up. Like, or I used to be like, Flano, I just made, like, back row. I'm the back row of the year for New South Wales Cup, bro. Give me a shot. And I remember when he told, when when he named me, um, he said, Toops, you're going to start. And then you're going to show me all these things you used to tell me about. You're going you're gonna to play the whole 80. So I was just like, oh, snap, we're going to play 80 minutes. Ended up playing 80 minutes. You know, I was howling like I was tired as. But my trainer kept on running out to me like, Toops, remember what you told us? Remember what you told us? And I was like, yeah, 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 I remember, I remember. Um, but yeah, it was pretty cool. I got the debut with, with uh, Paul Gallen and Luke Lewis and, and, a local, and, a, and a local hero of ours here too, Sam Tungata SS. So that was pretty cool. Crazy. And did you guys get the win? Yeah, we got the win, which was mean. <laughs> Even better. So didn't, did, were you leading? So, it, like, because I've seen, like, Paul Gallon's videos of, like, after every Sharks when you guys do, like, the Up Up Cronulla, like, song. So did you yeah. get to, like, lead it or anything like that with it being your debut? No, nah, no. Nah, I just stood in the corner just, like, you know, just, <laughs> you know, because you're young. You're, like, pretty much if, you, if you're if you in the NRL squad, bro, and you're young, you don't say anything. You just, like, if they tell you to jump, the, one of the older guys you just you just jump like Paul Gallen used to make me like pick up the cones and stuff and I'll be fine with that I'm like yeah sweet or he'll What's be like that? oh Toops bro Toops um, run the pad at me and I'll be like getting folded just for fun <laughs> but I'm just, just like yeah sweet whatever <laughs> I was just gonna say bro like he's um he's obviously quite a polarizing character and you mentioned someone like Luke Lewis bro who I mean, because I follow most of these guys on social media and he's still shooting mm. to the bone, bro. And fuck, he hasn't played in a couple of years. Like, what was it What was it like for you, like, being around those guys and, like, oh, they're going to be a lot different to what the mm. media see, to what they are, like, in the trenches with you fellas. So were they quite welcoming initially or were they cold and did you have to earn their respect or? Oh, because that's from the old school era, bro. So you've got to earn, you've got to earn their respect. And that's, like, by training, by winning reps, by playing well. Um, one thing I noticed with them, what separated them to everybody else is they were just relentless when it came to training. Extras, rehab, prehab. Like they dedicated the life to the game. So like I felt like I trained really hard. Like I wanted it more than I wanted to breathe. That's how I used to grow up. But these guys were just like on another level. And so I got to see firsthand what it took to be great. And no, I mean, there's no one like 
No wonder why they played 300 games, bro, because they sacrificed time, time and time and again, um, I guess, weights, extras, video sessions, um, you name it, bro. They were willing to put it all on the line. So it was pretty, uh, it was pretty awesome experience. Uh, once I, I did get, I got their respect, which was cool, but it takes a while, man. It takes a while. Yeah, bro, I can only imagine. Um, and I was just going to mention as well, like, because I've never had anything to do with a lot of like Australian rugby players. I think I might have done like an exchange growing up as a kid. But, you know, you, you talk about being the fittest forward in Wellington when you went over to Australia. Like, what were the, what are some of the stark contrasts as someone who's played in the NRL between Australians and Kiwis? Like, is like is there actually much of a difference? Like, are they built differently over there? Is the attitude different? Because obviously, like, well, maybe more so now they've got a few more of the Polynesian boys coming through, but a lot of that old school era was majority of them were Pakia. So, mm. yeah, like, can you can you tell us anything there? Well, honestly, like Australians are just so fit, man. I don't know if it's their programs when they don't win when they're young. But they're just built different, man. They're just built to run, built to, to do weights, built to train. Polynesians are stronger, more talented, naturally fit, uh, sorry, naturally um, stronger with weight. But Australians, man, they just like, they just want it. Like they just, <laughs> they're just willing to train and train and train, but it's crazy. It's just, yeah, man, it, it was so shocked. I was, I was shocked because I was always one of the fitter guys in Wellington, and then literally my whole career, I was in the fat man's club at the back of fitness. It's crazy. Yeah, uh, it was like hanging, hanging in there rather than like, you know, leading the pack. Yeah, it's just always interesting. Like when I watch like the New Zealand schools like play each other, and like, like I said, more so now they've got quite a few Polynesian boys coming through. But some mm. of the old school ones, you know, like they play the white boys, and it's just funny because. They don't play like Kiwi white boys. Some of those Australian ones, eh? Like, like you said, they're a, they're a different breed. They're almost like the farm boys that we have over here. They're just sort of like, like naturally strong and like yeah. run a hundred miles an hour. It doesn't matter who's in front of them. Yeah, it's just they just breed them differently over there. Like, I always think that Kiwis are naturally stronger and skilled, but Kiwis are just so skilled when it comes to rugby. But Australians, they're willing to work hard, run mountains. You know, do hundreds of thousand reps. They'll, they'll just train their way to be successful. Like, that's how I think of it, eh? Yeah, and you can definitely see it with the results they've had in league. But, yeah. so you make, so you make your debut um, for the Sharks. Um, and then at the end of that year, if, I, if I've got my facts straight, you play in the Rugby League World Cup for the Cook Islands. Yeah, so I got selected for the Cook Islands, uh, went over to the World Cup. Uh, we had a pretty amazing team. Most guys are still playing now. Jordan Rapana, uh, Brad Takarangi, Zetaya, Tanita Arona, like pretty much household names. Um, went over there, I was still 21 at the time, you know, thinking that I was, you know, the man. But really, I was just a little boy and like a grown man team. So it was a pretty cool experience to travel around um, UK. But what it did, what it did teach me during the World Cup, I was like, bro, I do not want to play in the Super League because this place is cold. Yeah, man, it was freezing. It was like grey every day. Bro. Wake up, <laughs> wake up. Like, where's the sun, man? Um, uh, yeah. Well, I guess, if, bro. Money talks, bro. Money does talk. So. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. People are willing to, you know, you know, wake up and it's night time and then get home and it still looks the same. So. <laughs> for for a certain price, mate. For a certain price, everyone has a price, man. Yeah. All right. So, like I said, you make your debut. 
you go and represent uh, one of your cultures at the World Cup, and then you yep. come back to the NRL in twenty thirteen. Did the goalpost shift for you? Like, what what were your goals going into that year? Seeing as like you played first grade, you got through eighty minutes, and you're like, okay, I've done the hard part. I've got the monkey off my back. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna crack in this year. And then where did things yeah, go so, from there? Oh man, so like I just had ex- expectations to you know play in the team every week um, in the starting seventeen every week. Also, that was like goal that the coach had for me as well, which was which was awesome, which was great to see. But I came back in 2014, bro, and we went through the um, the peptide scandal. Mm. So we had like 11 players stood down and our coach because they were part of the um, the whole drug scandal. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, being a 21-year-old, just like having the police and the media at our training every day, I was just like, holy hecka. So that, that year was awesome to play pretty much every game, but at the same time, we lost a lot of um, players due to the peptide scandals, and we had a few other scandalous things with Todd Carney, you know, getting... Oh, he was my halfback at the time. Freaking mm. awesome bloke. But he was a bit out the gates. Um, he obviously got sacked for doing the whole... What's yeah, the, the, bubbler, yeah, yeah. Bubbler, the bubbler, that's the one. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Um, True. It was an awesome year playing, but at the same time, it was like hard. Every game was hard because we had different players coming in. And losing Todd Carney was huge, bro. It was yeah. really huge. Now, I'm not sure if you're allowed to talk about it, bro. Like, you talk about the peptide scandal. But like, what happened there? Because from what I gather, it was like a trainer that supplied something. And then, you know, a majority of the boys took it. And then, you know, obviously, like, it gets the news gets broken. So can you take? Yeah, can you so, sort of take us through the run of events? Yeah, so pretty much, like, I turned up preseason. And they're like, hey, man, everybody's going to get in trouble for taking... Um, X amount of supplements during the time for when this trainer was here a couple of years ago. So there was a few of those guys that was part of it. And as a player, you kind of just, I mean, I'm like that too. Like if a coach or if a trainer gives me a supplement, I'll just take it. Mm. So those guys, um, those guys were obviously part of it. And then um, they got stood down for like 16 weeks or something like that, or maybe a bit longer. But there was a whole, there was a big scandal on like, was it performance enhancing or was it, um, was it just this, uh, you know, the sports scientist that was, was trying to, you know, do whatever he was trying to do, mm. um, and unfortunately the boys were caught up in that. I feel sorry for the boys, man, because as a player, man, like you just trust the staff, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so they got suspended, and me being young at the time, I was just in all these meetings like. Bro, I'll just, I'll just listen. I'll just listen and won't say anything. But yeah. every, I remember at the time, everyone was like, "Bro, Toops, have you been taking them? You know, you know what's going on? Are you going to get suspended?" But I wasn't actually there during that time. But yeah. I was in all the meetings and all the, uh, I guess, in the media and stuff. So it was just like, bro, I've got nothing to do with this. I'm just in the team. Yeah. Um, during the during the year that everyone's getting suspended and getting told off, so it was quite eye. It was quite eye opener as a. As a, as a season went on yeah weird time to be a part of that all right so like you said you you're fortunate off the back of what would have been like a, a weird thing to be a part of to get quite a few games under your belt mm. but you come to the end of the mm. year and you end up signing with Penrith for the following year so what was that about yeah well I think at the time man I just decided to go there because I needed to get like we just finished the whole you know saga like the whole peptide saga so there's a lot of ambiguity on 
you know, who's coming back, who's going to be the coach. So I just decided to go to Penrith um, at the time. And, and another thing is my agent also caked the deal with um, Cronulla because they wanted to re-sign me, but I think he just tried to ask for too much money, bro, um, if I'm being quite honest, because the general manager and the CEO are like, too, you've got to sign, you've got to sign, you've got to sign. And I'm like, bro, I don't even know where the deal's at. So, I mean, it, the, the season ended up running and then they must have taken the deal off the... Um, off the counter, and then I just ended up signing to uh, ended up signing to Penrith though. So I was pretty gutted, but at the same time mm. I was like, "Bro, I'm going to Penrith. They're a mean team. They play the style that I wanted, that I like playing, like real free flowing." And I just made that hard decision to move. But at the same time, I was quite disappointed with my manager at the time because I think he was just getting greedy, bro. But it was it was an awesome decision, man. I'm really I'm really glad that I went to Penrith. Yeah. Again, if you don't mind me prying there as well, but is, is it normal where a manager will be negotiating things for you and he's not actually having, you're not you're not like part of that conversation? Like he's not coming to you with every rebuttal from the club or every offer that comes in? Because that, that just seems weird to me. Like he's going into bat for you. And like you said, your coaches and the manager approaching you being like, Toops, sign this. And you're like, what do you mean sign this? I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, you see what I mean? Like it's like yes and no. Like um, I didn't, um, sorry, like I said before, like ma- managers, uh, at the end of the day, this is your job. The, the, the higher the deal, the more money you make. Mm. And at this, you know, I had a good season that year. So they're like trying to, you know, max me out. But also, you know, you can also become across as too greedy. So they just took the deal off the table, man. And so I was left with no deal. I was like, come on, man, are you serious? Mm. Um, so I was pretty, I was pretty disappointed. But luckily, Penrith picked me up after that. But yeah, man, was, that, that's probably like kind of, it really pissed me off, yeah. to be honest. But it was a blessing in disguise, man. He ended up going to Penrith, so, which was all good. Yeah. All right. Run us through those chain of events. You move out west. You're playing in a team that plays the style that you want to play in. How does yeah, that Yeah, that was off? cool, man. Playing on Ivan Cleary. He's the man, bro. He's my favorite coach. Real transparent, real open. He's all about, like, skill. Um, and that's what, my, that's what my game was based off, like, offloading and skills. Um, always been a big advocate for, like being better in your like, skills with your hand, passing, offloading, uh, being able to move your body really well. So he, uh, Alcus, rugby philosophy kind of aligned, uh, was there for two years. The first year I played six games at the back end of the year because remember, I'm, I'm like new to the team. They just finished making like the preliminary finals and trying to bust my way in. Um, ended up playing the back end of the year, which was cool, man. But that was just an awesome experience to understand what it's like to be in a championship organization and being a part of the NRL team was mean, bro. Like playing with a lot of the boys that are still playing there now, which is great. The following year, Ivan Cleary actually got sacked. And then a new coach came in, Anthony Griffin, hook, and he just did a massive clean out, bro. Massive clean out. So I think there was like 13 guys who got shoulder tapped to either look for another club or you can stay. We'll still pay you, but we won't play you. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, I was one of those guys. But I was one of the lower tier guys. Not lower tier, but not as high profile as some of the other guys. Like There was like James Seguiaro, I think it was Matt Moreland, Jamie Sell. Like These were all the franchise players that were getting told. Elijah Taylor, that were getting told, oh, bro, you've got go, you to go look for another team. And uh, I, was, I was one of them. So pretty much, bro, I just used that year to play reserve grade, but also just to help out the young fellows. Um, that were coming through. And if I think about it, bro, like 
the guys that were behind me were way better than me, bro. Like all all the guys that were pl- playing in the finals this week, those were all the guys that I'll, um, I I'm really great, grateful that I got to be around. Or I feel like I was one of the good guys to like help them out as much as I can. And it's awesome to see them kick on James James Fisher Harris, William Matikau, Nathan Cleary. Like these are all the guys that were playing reserve grade with me at the time because I couldn't play first grade. Mm. Um, and or up up the Coruscant, and you know to see them carving up, I'm like, oh, wow, that's freaking so cool to see. Yeah, because Penrith like now is renowned for its its young boys that it brings through, right? Like a, the, all the development yep. they do with the guys you crack through. So I'm guessing, yeah, you would have been there at the time where it wasn't quite where it's at now, but you could it was in like its early stages to where they've because they've got like a new training center out there and shit now, which looks flash. Yeah, bro. Yep, so I was there for the like I was there when it was the first year it got um, put in. So it was me, it was her. And, um, <laughs> but that was also like the first year that like Viliame, Nathan Cleary, uh, James Fisher Harris. Um, there's also uh, who else is um, Isaiah Yell Yell Yeah, yep. Um, he, he was there as well. Dylan Dylan Edwards, surprised he kicked on far up. He was like average as now he's the man. <laughs> um, Moses Leota, like all these guys came through when when I I was there, and they were just yeah. young guys. I think they were like eighteen playing reserve grade, bro. True, and they were kids. Yeah, we we're going like Papua New Guinea, and they were like asking me like, "Oh, bro, you know, what's it like in first grade?" I'm like, "Bro, you're about to kick me out of first grade, bro." <laughs> <laughs> Straight up, man. He's like, you're the reason why they're telling me to look at another club, mate. Cool, cool. It's cool that you had that perspective on it, though, eh? I, I could imagine a lot of guys would be, um, you know, quite closed off and, you know, with, with dealing with that sort of news. But sounds like you're one of the one of the greats, bro, when it comes to putting well, the team first. Man, well, I just think because I remember when I came through, there was also, like, there's also the battlers, and the battlers always look after the young guys. So they always said, man, you just got to make sure, like, you just got to make sure you help out those young guys to kick on because, you know, your career could either be two years or 10 years. So you just got to make sure you help out the guys that come through. Mm-hmm. And so I always had that perspective as, you know, just to help out where I can. And especially if they're Kiwis, bro, like, it's, um, I understand, like, bro, the hardship of what you've got to go through and how hard it is to transition and, you know, how much you're sacrificing. So, you know, I was always just trying to, do my bit and i'm glad i did because whenever i need something i would send him a send him a text and I'm like, hey i need this all good and i'm like yeah bro sweet so um grateful grateful man hissing hissing all right and you know going back to my notepad here with all the facts that i've grabbed from the World Wide web it says that you actually played a bit of rugby union in your last year with penrith with being told that you are not going to be yep. part of their future plan so how did that come about and did that really like spur you to you know, what came for you the following year with the rugby opportunities? Yeah, bro. So what happened is um, I finished that year with Penrith and then they had an NRC season, which is essentially NPC. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, coach here, the coach there called me and he said, hey, man, we, we need a seven. Would you be keen to play? I knew that you played six for New Zealand schoolboys seven years ago. And I was like, yeah, sweet. That's us. <laughs> um, and so I ended up playing the whole season with them. Bro, our forward pack was unreal. We had... Willie Skelton, Tyron Vega, he's a captain of a top 14 team in France. Uh, obviously, Willie's Australian. We had Brandon Pangomosa. Um, yeah, he's the, obviously the, the Australia 
hooker. Then we had our two props at the time was David Fafita and also uh, Matt Simmons. They're also Super Rugby props for Melbourne and also for the Waratahs. And then we had another lock called uh, Senio, and he's now playing in France, but he was with the Waratahs at the time too. So essentially, like our four pack was a Super Rugby four pack, bro. And here's me just like trying to figure it all out, like trying to work out how to play rugby again. But yeah, it was an awesome experience, man. Played for the Western Sydney Rams. Had a, had a good year. I ended up getting open side flank of the year, which is frigging quite surprising because I never hit any rafts. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, and, and that's what got me the opportunity over uh, at the Highlanders, bro. Yeah. All right, take us there. So you finish up in Oz, and then, you know, you obviously finish that season. You say you picked up an award at the end of the year. Did you sign a contract before coming back to New Zealand? No, nah, bro, I didn't. So, you know, Liam is obviously at the Highlanders. He's got a good relationship down there. Uh, Tony Browns just said, come over at the end of preseason. We'll give you two weeks, and you've got two weeks to perform, two weeks to show us what you got. So flew down south to Southland, moved pretty much my whole life down there, but just by myself, my wife and my daughter, they stayed in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when the Highlanders called me up, I had two weeks um, with them just to perform, learn the game. And then I had two preseason games with the Braveheart team, which is like the Highlanders beast. Yep. So I had two weeks bro, pretty much just to show them what I got, man. And then, yeah, first game I was, I was okay because I was, New Zealand rugby is way different to Australia, man. It was honestly really eye-opening. And they like, bro, you got to jump. And I'm like, what the hell? Don't even know how to jump. Um, so first week, first week was like overwhelming. I'm like, I'm trying to consume all this new information. Um, also, Tony Brown didn't know if I was going to be a seven or if I was going to be a second five. So I was training as a second five, bro, as well. Because you know, how, you know how New Zealand rugby, you've got a seven and a two, they play down the edges. Yeah. Um, with, with a 12 and a 13, like he was just like rotating me between the two positions. So I was just like getting a little bit confused. Um, so we had the first game, uh, went all right, not not the greatest. And then the next week I was like, oh, right, this has got to be the game. And he just told me, he was like, Tubes, go out there and play as if you're playing league. I was like, okay, sweet. So I just went out there and I was just trying to smoke people. Um, ended up going good. And then they came back to me like, bro, we're going to um, keep you on as injury cover for the year. First things first is you need to sign the contract to... Um, to Southland so I was just like uh, okay cool so I signed to Southland and then ended up being with um, the Highlanders for, for the majority of the year which is crazy because we flew everywhere around the world and also I got to make my debut which is pretty crazy yeah bro that that was one of the things that I picked up on I think I even remember reading about it at the time like you hadn't played any provincial rugby so like you joined like a very select group of players to play for the Highlanders before even like like you said playing for the Stags. So, what what was that like? You know, like even just that whole process of sort of being rushed back into rugby. And I guess it would have been sort of like riding a bike for you, you know, considering mm. like that's where you made your name. But what was that like? Did it almost feel real? Just how quickly you transitioned from being, you know, like a professional player in one code to then going back to your original code and then being part of the Highlanders with your brother. Yeah, well, I just expected, I didn't expect to play all year or like travel. I just expected just to like learn 
everything. But you know, I was always tra- I was I've always been a hard trainer. I've always been real big into extras, and so all my extras was just like you know now learning the lineouts, learning how to jump, learning the calls, learning the maps of the field, learning all the plays. So I just like used everything I learned in league and just moved it to rugby. But then I started going good at training. Like it was like me versus Malachi because he's the opposite edge. And I was going hard every time. So I was, I was like telling him, I was like, bro, give me up. I'm going to get this guy. And so I'm just trying to prove, I'm just being normal with Lima. Like that's just yeah. me and Lima being normal. But I, for, for everyone else, I was just like, bro, this guy's a bit, bit intense. Like he's, he's a bit, He's going real handy for training system. <laughs> so I was just trying because that's just, you know, Wolf Lima. Yeah. You go hard or go home. So, um, yeah, trainings were going good. And then uh, I think, bro, it was crazy because Tony Brown said, Toops, I want you to go play club rugby this weekend. I want you to get your game fitness. Um, play in the backs as well. So I, I literally went and played for my club team in the middle of nowhere down in Southland. Like, I can't even remember where it was. <laughs> It was literally in the middle of nowhere, bro. Like there was, like to get there, it was like cows and sheep and freaking bulls playing in the middle of nowhere, like playing second five. And I got carved that game too because I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Um. Anyway, played that game, came back on the Monday, and then Tony Brown goes, "Did you play in the weekend?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Sweet, you're gonna play for us this week." And I was like, "What?" Um... He's like, "Yeah, bro, you're gonna play for us." And I was like, "Is it?" And the back saw the forwards. He's like, now nah, you're gonna play in the forwards. We'll come off the bench and play seven. And I was like, okay, sweet, bro. He's like, so go learn those calls. <laughs> See, you probably studied your notes a little bit harder that week, and then you make your debut under the roof. What was that like? Bro, it was awesome, man. Like, um, got to Lima didn't play that game because he was injured, but it was cool because I got to play with like you know guys that I used to watch on TV. Um, you know. Bender, the Oracle, Ben Smith, he was my favourite player, so it was cool playing with him. And just to get to play that one game was just, honestly, it was just like a dream come true. Like, I felt like after that game, I'm sweet. Like, I didn't ever have to play again because <laughs> I've done both codes. Like, I've, I was like, oh, I'm the man. Like, and I still hold that now, too. I still hold that now, too. Like, oh, bro, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm in the same category as uh, Sunny Bill and uh, Nani Love Muppet, bro. Um, but yeah, bro, and like I always say that to the boys, and they're like, "Hey, shut up, man!" I'm like, "Well, I'm a dual international now, brother." Uh, yeah, I but I even say that like, I mean, you know what I'm like in club rugby, bro. You know, what I like in club rugby, man. I always get banter with the boys, and that's obviously one of the um, things I'm really proud of that I got to play um, at the top at the top level in both coats. Highlanders was awesome, man. Built some awesome relationships um, that I've uh, maintained over the years. Uh, one thing that Although I didn't play heaps of rugby, I got to travel with them, you know, learn from them, get to know the boys really well. And some of them are um, now really good mates, which is cool. 100. And you talk about Tony Brown and him just being like, okay, dude's playing the backs, playing the forwards. You know, you, you've been through a lot of coaches in your time. Where does he rank, like, even amongst you, all the league guys that you've been under? Because, you know, he's just, like, mm. talked about in such a high regard. And as another guy that I'm getting the opportunity to interview who's been under him, what sets him apart from his contemporaries? I think the fact that he was a first five, which is a playmaker, but also, uh, well, sorry, he was a first five, which is a playmaker, but also a leader. So he's also got to understand from a 
player's perspective, he's got that hat on. Like he's been mm. through it before. He understands what it takes to lead. But also, uh, positionally, he, he's got to understand the match. And he's just been able to transition all of that knowledge into his own players, bro. So I, I think him and Ivan would be hand-in-hand. Hand. Like they're literally the same, the same type of person. Ivan was a pivot growing up. He's also a player, also a leader. Now he's just moved all of that into um, his coaching ability. Same with Tony Brown. And, the, and, and Brown is so down-to-earth too, man. Like downtown Tony Brown, he's such an awesome guy. Um, I just think that all his knowledge that he had during his rugby career, he's just now explaining it with a coaching head on. He's the man, bro. I really liked. I really liked that guy. Yeah, bro, one of the greats. All right, you finish up with the Highlanders that year. You take a lot of learnings out of it, and you end up having to play for the Stags. Uh, coincidentally, um, alongside your other brother Ezekiel. Um, so you, so you play like close to a dozen games, but unfortunately you guys don't get any wins that year. So was that, what I mean, like obviously it would have, you know, sorry to bring that up, bro, but obviously it would have been a cool, cool opportunity to play with your younger brother. Cause did you even get to do that growing up? And then what was it like coming off sort of a high, then I'm guessing taking a dip towards the back end of that year? Yeah, man, like that was pretty, pretty tough. Um, you know, we, ultimately bro we just sucked <laughs> uh, we just sucked man but i just think of it as a high because from i guess a, from a selfish point of view man i got to travel to japan with them got to travel around new zealand you know those guys really live life differently like they're not obviously rugby is their job but outside of that they're farmers they're hunters they go out onto the rivers like they're not like city boys like i'm a city boy like Soon as we finish training, bro, we're on our phones. I guess we're playing PlayStation. We're going to cafes. For them, bro, it's literally like jump in your car, go hunting, or jump in your car, go jump on the boat and go fishing, bro. So like getting that experience and uh, I guess living that kind of the, the the stagnation way. Like although you don't win much, you kind of still feel like you're winning because the quality of life down there is just you know it's quite fun. Mm. Um, yeah, we suck, but the, the 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 group of boys down there, you know, everybody's pretty down to earth. So it was it was a pretty cool cool experience from my point of view. Yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot of great things about the Southland community and and how big they are mm. in getting behind their sport. You know, you think about the the basketball, the netball, um, mm. and the rugby. And yeah, like you said, they obviously turned up rain or shine, win or loss for you boys for the majority of that season. But you finish up there. What was the story the next year with you? Yeah, bro. So I didn't get re-signed to the Highlanders because Tony Brown went over to went over to Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was pretty guttering. So I decided to move back to Wellington with my wife and daughter. Um, I had a good opportunity to play for the Lions, and I was, you know, when I first came back, I was like pretty much in line to be the starting eight. But the three games that I played, if I'm being honest, bro, I just caked it, eh? So they had Ted Ekki. Uh, ben, ben Nicholas, is that, is that his name? Mm-hmm. He was he was the eight, but when I came back, they moved him to six, and so they were training him as a six, and I was the eight pretty much all through the um, all through preseason, all through those warm up games, and then I just ended up getting the cut, but pretty much because I was just man, I just wasn't ready for for Wellington rugby man. Like the quality of rugby up here was way harder than down south, and over and over in um, over in Australia. It took me a good year to get back on my feet, I think. Well, that, it took me that year to transition the, the type of rugby it was 
from Wellington in comparison to um, to down south. So I, I think that year was just on me, man. Like I just I just caked it from from my point of view. Yeah. All right. So some rough learnings that year, and then rolling into the following year, did you still have the ambition of playing for the Lions and keeping that footy dream alive? Um, yeah, I did. I did. I did, man. I did um, have that ambition to, I guess, kick on and keep playing or to go overseas. But then things started going well for me, I guess, off the field in terms of helping boys out, sending them down south. Uh, I guess pretty much working as an agent myself. So been helping quite a few guys out, you know, get opportunities. And I guess although my career stopped in 2018, I feel like it's still going because now I'm seeing guys that I've, I guess, had a hand on, I guess, playing NPC teams and um, now over overseas. So it's kind of like, it kind of, although I'm not playing, it still feels like, because I've made it up, I feel like I've made it too. So um, mm. I just had to kind of reinvent myself a little bit. Yeah, well, you're still kicking along um, for the mighty Patoni, bro, like a place that you know very well. Was it, like you said, like you obviously invested a lot of time into the young fellas and around the Wellington catchment and maybe some others outside the region, you know, getting the opportunities for their future. But mm. was it weird for you, like, settling back down into Patoni and, like, throwing the ball around in a park that you would have been at, you know, every other day as a youngster? And I don't know, I've never had that in my life, you know, going away from somewhere for so long and mm. then coming back and then... I guess, like you said, helping the younger generation. So, and it sounds like something that you are very passionate about. Yeah. Well, when I first came back, I won't lie to you, man. I was like, man, I just want to, you know, get good and then go overseas again. But then settling back in, I realized there was a lot of talent. You know, it would be rude if I didn't help a lot of the boys kick on or like, you know, pass on some knowledge that guys before me actually passed on to me. But it's been awesome being around like the Petone boys, seeing a lot of them kick on, you know, me and my brother, well, brothers, had done a lot of hours down at Petone Rift when we were younger. We pretty much lived there doing laps on laps, you know, me kicking the ball back to my brother. So the Petone community meant a lot to us because they supported us along our journey. And now I get to give, now I get the opportunity to give back to them, I guess, by well, trying to win games in the weekend for them, but yeah, trying far out. <laughs> Too much, bro, too much. All right, and then fast forwarding to 2021, another opportunity comes about this year uh, with you being able to represent the Cooks, uh, this time in Rugby Union, and then this time alongside your two younger brothers, you get to play with them. And then I saw that mm. Lima also jumped on board to help out with the coaching. So yep. how special was that moment, you know, not only for you to be able to share the field with family, but I guess even for your family as a whole, just seeing all, you know, all four of their boys there and you know, representing their culture. Bro, it was, it, was, it was awesome. Like, firstly, like, from a family perspective, like, we hadn't all been in the same room for, like, four years. So just to get that was was really awesome. And then it all became... It was actually hard because um, to get all my brothers on, on the same page because I asked Zeke and he was like, oh, nah, bro, I'm not keen. So I was like, oh, come on, bro. So I had to twist Tucker's, I had to twist Tucker's arm and I was like, bro, if you play this, you go good. Bro, potentially you might get a gig somewhere. And then he was like, oh, I don't want to. So I like pretty much bullied him to come to our first game against Tasman. And then he got to see what it was like in a professional or semi-professional environment. And then he just got the buzz, um, got the bug from that. And then Zeke was like, oh, sweet. I'll, I'll come for the last two, the last two games. And then it's funny because 
Lima's obviously on his way to transition, sorry, to um, play for Samoa. So we had to like kind of convince him, like, oh, bro, before you go to Samoa, how about you um, help mum's side out, eh? How about you help us out? Um, so, yeah, man, it was cool. It was awesome, man. Like, that was probably, of all my professional sporting career, that was definitely the best couple of weeks I've had, um, or definitely the best environment that I've been a part of. And my brother will probably say that too, man. Just so special. If, if, you, if you don't mind, bro, like, like yeah, what, what differentiated it from all of the other experiences both you and your brother have had? Because you guys have been to the peak and the peak, so to speak, you know, mm-hmm. with your brother being an all-black and you playing in the NRL and being around guys like Aaron Smith and Bender, like you talked about. What, yeah. what makes it different, like the environment that you just talked about? Well, I think the thing is in a professional environment, bro, like everything is handed to you, like everything is set up, you pretty much just got to turn up to the time and place that they tell you to be. Whereas with the Cook Islands, man, like you're under-resourced. You've got guys who have um, come from, you know, a nine-to-five job or come, guys work 60 hours a week. Um, and they come with a real um, grateful attitude. Like there's so much gratitude in the room, bro. They were just so grateful to be there. And like the passion that they had for the nation, like these were guys that were like, they were just willing to do anything and they were super like respectful, um, super, um, I guess, like involved with the Cook Island community. And so everything we did or everything we planned, they just gave it 100%. Um, never complained, bro. Never complained about anything. And also the culture side, the culture perspective, man, like at night in a professional environment, you'll go back to your hotel and you'll just play PlayStation or you'll go out and have shisha or something like that mm. whereas with these guys you'll sit in the hallway and you'll just play guitar sing songs for like three straight hours or you would like talk about your where your family's from or you know can you help me find my my cousin and they'll help you find your cousin it was really special man so special it was something i'll i'll, I'll definitely remember sounds like something you just you, you probably couldn't appreciate unless you're in that environment right Oh, 100%, man. Like, I, I would say it was one of the best, you know, weeks of my life outside of obviously, you know, my family stuff, but it was such a special moment, man. Cool, cool. How all that stuff comes full circle. Like you said, bro, like you started off as a young whippersnapper trying to chase a dream over in Sydney. You have a bunch of quarters there, like looking after you, and then <laughs> you, you end up, you know, like realizing your dream and then to where you are now and you have the opportunity to to give back to all the different communities that obviously mean a lot to you and help similar guys that were you know mm. guys you know young tupo sapawanga so to speak you know get their crack in the nrl or get their crack in super rugby should they put in the hard yards like you did bro but i get i think there's a wrap on like any everything that i wanted to capture from your career so far bro that i don't want to put an end date on it because i know you're still kicking but do you want to uh, quickly, before I let you go, I've got two segments that I'd like to end my convos on with my guests. The first one being, can you run us through what your game day routine is and if it's changed over the years? Oh, game day routine definitely changed over the years. Like now in the, sorry, obviously it's club rugby, right? So my game day routine is all family in the morning and then I've got to do some sort of like, I don't know, something on my deck or some sort of painting or something. So my game day routine isn't the best, but if it's a serious game like McBain, all the finals, it would be eggs in the morning, a quick stretch, and then time with my kids. Um, and then obviously we'll come, I, I turn up um, half an hour early before everyone else. 
Uh, reason being is because I'm a little bit older now, so stretching is really important. Um, and, and also one thing that I always have religiously when I'm at Aerosmith is like every game the night before I drink a Powerade. So for some reason in 2015 when my brother told me that, I've just been doing that. <laughs> yeah, whether it works or not, but I feel like I've never got cramped. He said it never gives you, he said because he drank that, he's never got cramped. So I feel like I've never got cramped since drinking a Powerade night before. True, bro. What flavour? Oh, purple. Purple, brother. All right, might have to give it a go, bro. I get that old cramp from time to time. But um, what, what about any superstitions? Left boot, right boot, skins? Do you do a little prayer before you go out? Uh, I always do prayers before I go out before the game. And one thing I always do is I walk out to the... I've been doing that. I don't know why, but I've been doing that since I was 13. I walk out to the the touchline and then I'll sprint to the middle um, I don't know why but that's just like mechanically placed in my head I think I saw someone do that when I was younger and I was like oh, I'm going to be like that guy so yeah man it's weird yeah bro would you work for you to get you to the NRL and play Super Rugby and whatnot? alright yeah. alright <laughs> my last segment bro 10 in the bin so it's just 10 questions similar to what it started off with bro but hopefully we can unearth um, some, some deeper info here so Question number one, what's your go-to vessel at a pre-drinks on a night out? Or uh, cider, apple. Particular brand? Uh, probably recordedly. Okay. Question number two, who's the most notable coach's pet you've been around? Or I would say Joshuaani. True. What, what do you make of his moves to the Chiefs? Oh, good move, I reckon, because, I mean, he was sitting behind Mitch Hunt. And he wants to play 10 now that Damien's gone. So um, it's a free fall for him up there. So I think yeah. it's a good move strategically for his, for his career. It's a, it needed to be done. Mitch got player of the year. You yeah, exactly, I mean? bro. Yeah, I'm a big fan of him, bro. Love his catch pass. So I think, I think he'll fit into the style that the Chiefs play as well. Yeah, he, he, um, his catch pass was amazing, eh? It's mm. so good. Yeah, bro. Funnily enough, I actually turned up. I, when I went down there, he was the same as me. He just got caught in, and then he was just a university student. And look at him now. He's the one, one-time one all-black. Yeah, huh. That's the one. All right. Who was your idol? Who was your idol? Who was your idol growing up? Sonny Bill and Frank Pritchard. True. So was it buzzy, like, actually getting to meet your idol, like, Frank the Tank, like, when you moved over to Canterbury? Bro, like, he was picking me up for trainings. We are eating lunch. Um, of, he... We swapped jerseys at um, at the World Cup, which is mean. And uh, Sonny Bill, I played against him. So, like, when I was tackling him, I was like, I love you, man. <laughs> yeah, I love you, bro. Because I used to tweet him, bro. I used to tweet him, like, hey, bro, you know, just a young guy, hey, man. Yeah. <laughs> man, one of those weird, weird stalkers, bro. Yeah, bro. Bro, I'm... Bro, I, that's literally my life now, bro. I, all I do is stalk rugby players, bro, to reach out to guys bro, like yourself to give me the chance. Have to, man. Have to. Exactly, bro. Um, what's your must-do on a day off? Must-do on a day off? Oh, bro, clean, eh? I'm a clean... Oh, my wife wouldn't say I'm a clean freak, but I just don't <laughs> like having a messy house. So, yeah. On day off, I'm an active relaxer. That's probably the easiest way to put it. Nice, bro. Me and you both. Uh, what's your go-to cheat meal? Or a chicken burger. Doesn't matter where, just a chicken burger. 
have you been hitting any of the welly on a plate stuff? No, nah, not yet, because I'm on a um, you know, I'm on this diet, so I'll probably start going hard on the last week. <laughs> so what happens when you get older, bro? So what happens when you get older, man? You gotta start dieting or else you get you blow out. Bro, I don't know about old age, bro. That's me now. Um, but anyway, uh, if you weren't a rugby player or a rugby league player, you know, and you, you can dream as big as you want with this, what would you be? I think I'd be a singer, bro. Yeah, straight up, I'd be a singer, like a gun singer, obviously, like the man. <laughs> but I would be, yeah, I'd be a singer. What solo dolo or part of a band? Nah, man, solo, brother. <laughs> solo, got to take the glory. R and B, what? Uh, yeah. R&B slow jams. I um, I just, yeah, I just like R&B slow jams. I, I'm alright at singing, but it would be mean to be the man at singing. You know what I mean? Hard bro, hard bro. That and dancing bro. Like, I remember like growing up as a kid, I did choir and I did a bit of dancing, yeah. and I got so much stick from my mates that I'm like, nah, flag it. I'm sticking to rugby. But like, looking back now at like, had I invested the time in that, bro, girls love a guy know, that can man. dance, and girls love a guy know, that can bro. sing. I know, man. It's like a talent. You either got it or you don't, bro. Like that it's as a well. gift. It's literally a gift, man. So, I'd, um, I'm glad I can when we, you know, when we family sings, I can hang in there. But I wouldn't mind being the man. <laughs> uh, all right. Who's the cheapest teammate you've been around? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, probably Chad Townsend, bro. Chad Townsend was such a tight ass. So, great, great bloke. Don't get me wrong. He's a man. <laughs> He's an awesome guy, but he's oh Chad Townsend or Sam Lousy, bro. Sam Lousy, like good good mate of mine, but my gosh, always forgets his wallet. <laughs> yeah, bro. I know. I know a few guys like that, bro. I know a few guys like that. Um, is there an artist or a song or a podcast that you're listening to at the moment that you could recommend? Oh, um, oh. This is pretty like bandwagon, but I've just been listening to Kanye West's latest album. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just maybe it's old age, but I've just been on uh, just following bandwagons. Kanye, yeah, Kanye West's latest album. That's pretty good. Yeah, I, I don't mind it, but I'm more of an old school Kanye guy myself. But yeah, yeah, he's um he's definitely a, a mad genius. Put it that way, right? Bro, I love that he just he just always you know evolves. Yeah. Great way, it, Great way to put yeah. it, bro. Great way to put it. All right. Who's the biggest grub you've played with and against? Biggest grub, bro. Easy. And you probably know this too. Charlie Dub. <laughs> like, got a, bro, he is hands down the biggest grub. Like, I forgot to play with him against him in NRL and also, you know, club rugby now, but he's exactly the same. Like, except for before, if he did what he was doing now in club, he'd get like eight weeks. But now we can just do it every week because you don't get sanctioned in club rugby. That's true, bro. That's true. And you're not the first one to mention his name, bro. I, 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 there's quite a few boys that, like, they didn't even know him beforehand, but afterwards they definitely did. All <laughs> right. Last question, my man. Um, I know I've taken up a lot of your time, but you just got to finish the sentence for me. Saturdays are for... The boys. <laughs> Good thing you have headphones in. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, sorry. To be fair, bro, oh, like man. I said, I said to all the boys, like there's only one answer, right? There really is only oh, one no. answer, but it's just willing. Yeah. It's just whether or not you're willing to um let it go. But awesome, my bro. Um, this has been a, a a very very fun conversation to be a part of. Very grateful for your time, and um, 
if I ever catch you around Patoni or next time we're battling each other on the field, um, I owe you a beer in the club rooms afterwards, bro. Very grateful. Awesome, brother. Look forward to um, catching up again. And uh, if you've got any players ever wanting that want to come play for Patoni, you know, happy to play for the petrol. I'll see what I can do, bro. I'll see what I can do. All right, my man. I'll catch you up. All right, brother. You take care.